The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts... John and Steven. Thank you, Cabinet Comics. I'm your host, John Clark. With me, as mostly always, is my co-host, Stephen Brown. And Elliot Serrano's here. Hey, everybody. Hey, Elliot Serrano. I'm caught in an infinite loop. I'm caught <laughs> in an infinite loop. I'm caught in an infinite loop. Okay, let's go. Hold on, that is not good now that Zoom has a time limit. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I could just splice that and edit that after this. That's true. Except except that I do these last minute, so I I don't have any time to edit anymore. Such as our lives now. Well, there's so much to get into. So the first two episodes of WandaVision have come out and everybody's got opinions. Um, I watched them for the second time today and there's just so much I want to get into. I don't even know how to start. So who else wants to start? Elliot, you're a guest here. Why don't you begin? I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, I will say, I mean, first, I think it's a, it's a, it's a little bit on the on the it's a little early right now to to render any judgments. I will say my initial reaction after watching the first two episodes was after the second episode ended, I was like, God damn it. Why couldn't they have put like all eight episodes up now? Because this is like a slow burn that's going to like annoy me for a bit. But I, least- it's annoying me in the most positive way, though, because yeah. I watched the episodes again today and just studied every single thing and was like, well, what does this mean? And what does this mean to the overall story? And what does this mean to the comics? And what does this mean to the history of sitcoms? Because, God, there's probably more sitcom Easter eggs than there are Marvel Easter eggs in this thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And which was my my other thing, which was. um Wow, I I did not realize I was such a television sitcom nerd. I mean, I knew, I mean, I think my two big things growing up were comic books and the half hour sitcom, whether it was, yeah. you know, I mean, so you're looking at Dick Van Dyke show, which there's you can a watch lot the Dick Van Dyke show today and it still holds up. It's, I have been. I yeah. started watching the Dick Van Dyke show again when Carl Reiner passed away in the summer and I'm still. It's six mm-hmm. months later. I'm in the last season. I'm still watching it, and it holds up it's so amazing. well. Uh-huh. And, there, and then, um, then and there's then, so um, much Dick Van Dyke on this, right? And um, then you go on the Bewitched, which was what mm-hmm. the second episode of 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 um, WandaVision pretty much was nodding towards. I mean, to me, I was going, "Holy crap! I'm recognizing these sets." Yeah, that's a Dick Van Dyke set. Yep. Yeah, that's the that's the Bewitched set. Um, I just moved around a little. Yeah. yeah. Well, did like, they say somebody said that Dick Van Dyke actually consulted on the show? They brought him in to talk about some of like the humor and how they approach things in the show. Um, and they showed some clip. I don't know where I saw this, but it was like a clip of Dick Van Dyke walking into his house and he trips over the, the like the ottoman the, mm-hmm. or an ottoman, yeah. And then they show Vision walking through it with Wanda. Um, yes. So yeah, I think it's like uh, I, I feel I, like I, if you have the option to have Dick Van Dyke come over. You can, because yeah, yeah. if there <laughs> no were turned down an invitation from Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, if, if he's like 94 now. He was like a little younger than Carl Reiner. But if there was images of, of Dick Van Dyke on the set of WandaVision, he was dancing on the table. Yeah, probably. <laughs> or hovering above it, you know, dancing while <laughs> flying. Yeah, but, but having more energy than the three of us have ever yeah, had. Certainly. <laughs> yeah. But they, yeah. They, this, no, you're right, Stephen. They, they did. Um, they, the producer, the director, and the writer of *WandaVision* asked Dick Van Dyke to consult a bit, and and this is the this was the the, the funny thing. He had no idea what the MCU was about. Like he didn't realize oh, yeah. that it made you know the movies make billions of dollars. And it's like oh, so I hear you're working on this thing here. So oh, you made a movie. Oh, that's really good. Uh, oh, good for you. you. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I was in Night at the Museum. Yes, you were, Dick. Yes, you were. He sh- they should have had him play old Captain America. Then he would have had a better idea. <laughs> no. There was actually, I did, 
there was a story that came out this week was they auditioned old actors to play old Captain America. Yeah, and nobody, nobody quite got Chris Evans's essence. So they were like, all right, just age him, age him up. Yeah, I think it was Anthony Mackie did an interview and he basically said that he was reading opposite these guys or whatever. And just none of them could really pull it off. So makeup team got at it, you know? Yeah. Well, they, and they didn't for- do it. <laughs> yeah. Matt Damon, well, Matt Damon already did Ragnarok. Yeah, he's already in canon. Yeah, he's an actor on Asgard. <laughs> he's already. I I was thinking about that watching this. There were so many, so many really good sitcom actors in this uh, that I wonder. Like, you get a call from the MCU. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to be in a Marvel movie. And you're like, yeah, you're like a neighbor that lives down the street. I wonder if any of them think, like, I'm wasting my Marvel opportunity. Like, you Pat Oswalt's in a bunch of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. And now he's going to do the voice of Mordok. But you think Modoc. back in his head, he was like, I should be Dr. Octopus. There was a guy, I'm trying to remember who it was, but somebody was cast in the MCU and played, like, a minor role. And they said that exact thing. Oh, it's the bad guy in Doctor Strange. The uh, um, um, Kaliso or whatever his name is. Mads Mikkelsen. Yes, he did an interview and they were talking about it and he's like, I actually, I was super glad to do Doctor Strange, but now I actually feel like I, he, he did one. He's not coming back. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. he wasn't the Falcon or somebody who's going to get his own show and spin off. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I wouldn't, how do you think Terrence Howard feels? You know? Oh God, yeah. <laughs> He's just waiting for Empire to get renewed. That's his yeah, life now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've made some big mistakes in my life, but I'm no Terrence Howard. No, Terrence Howard. That's the unluckiest guy in Hollywood. I always I always thought, too, because the story was, oh, he wanted more money and he wasn't being paid enough. But they went to Don Cheadle. If your second choice is Don Cheadle, you were being paid. Yeah, well, I guess it was his agent. He was arguing for more money. It's I, So I don't know if it was terrence howard directly but it's like that guy's got the worst agent in hollywood because it's yeah. like if you missed out on two iron man sequels four avengers movies and yeah. your own show you know it's like jesus christ it's like this is like jeffrey hunter's agent who when they went to do the second pilot of star trek i think his wife was his agent he was like he needs all the money in the world they were like then we need william shatner yeah <laughs> same thing it's just whew, diversion. Yeah. And now we've had two guys play three guys now play Pike. Mm. <laughs> Only two guys play Kirk. But let's get into this. Um, I was stunned by the tone of this show is like, it's not just a parody of sitcoms. They like, they really go for it. And uh, the thing that kept striking me was like, you would have never been able to do this anywhere else. You could not do this as a movie, but you also, you couldn't do this on Netflix. You couldn't do this on ABC. Like the, there is there is a format to this that doesn't fit anything. And I think coming from the streaming platform that gave us the Mandalorian has given it so much leeway to just go, yeah, fuck it. We're going to do 50s and 60s sitcoms. Yeah, it's kind of wild. Um, I was glad they were running with this idea. I thought maybe just based on the trailers and stuff, we wouldn't see too much of this like sitcom world. Um, and I don't know how much is left, right? It's like, I think they're going to quickly kind of get through you know the Brady Bunch and the Roseanne and you know we'll be out of this like illusion or whatever it is but good on them for like running with this idea like I I thought we'd be out of it like right away and it's crazy the first two episodes were just we're living in this world with them it's awesome yeah yeah and uh, it's uh it's amazing that they they don't move it very far. I think there's going to be nine episodes, and maybe that's why they put in episodes one and two, because two gives us a, at least more hints of the outside world. But the yeah. more I the more I thought about it, the less I know about this, because it's like they mention in the first episode that Scarlet Witch is from Sokovia, and I was like, well, this is probably not taking place in her mind because in Sokovia, which we saw was this like war torn you know, Eastern European poor country. I don't think they were watching American sitcoms. So I don't even know if this is completely coming from her. And there's obviously outside influences, but she's in control of the situation to some extent. Yeah, it's weird. It's like hard to say she's clearly calling some shots in it, but then she's being observed by like sword agents. So it's like, did they put her there and she's fighting out of it or she created it and they're just monitoring it. I thought I'd read an interview somewhere where they said that it was actually the opposite of what you're saying, John, is that 
she grew up in Sokovia watching American television, old sitcoms. And that's why her mind is like constructed this world. Hmm. Uh, but I don't know if that was like official, you know, you read all this shit online and you're like, you know, who knows what's like official and from, you know, the actual people working on it. Yeah. And that's the thing she I'm kind of, lo- go ahead, Elliot. Oh, no, say that she was held captive by Hydra for a while. So for all you know, they were showing her sitcoms. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how they were torturing her. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's how they did it. They were like, what's happening? All of it. Yeah. We well, see the Strucker uh, nod in this with that commercial they did with the watches or whatever. It was like a Hydra watch and it said Strucker. So it's like, uh, I think we're actually going to probably see some of her origin then, right? It's like, you know, her getting her powers or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I really don't oh, know. Sorry. We, we need to do a like a, a bit eh, like that. Raise your hands. Oh, yeah. You yeah, we're actually hand. we're actually looking at each other. Usually we have the cameras turned off and yeah. that's never a problem. People are right. polite and let each other talk. And now it's been 10 minutes of. Well, I think everyone's very excited. It seems like. They we're all trying much. to wrap our heads around it. Yeah, it's like I. I went in with all these like theories and ideas and everything. We watched two episodes and I just have more questions. You know what I mean? Like I'm actually like a loss. I'm like, well, they didn't really reveal anything. You know, it's like, we've got just sprinkling of like a hints and it's, it's wild to see. Yeah. I mean, I going in, I thought that there, the shifts were going to be happening much more uh, quickly. I thought, okay, we'll get like five minutes of the 50s to come. Everything will morph into the 60s and morph in the 70s and then it'll all collide together and it's like, no, we really get like a 50s style sitcom and an early 60s style sitcom. Which, like, I'm not going to complain. Getting to see uh, Elizabeth Olsen in that that uh, magician's uh, assistant costume. Whoa! Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. And she's really doing like an early Mary Tyler Moore kind yeah. of. Yeah. She's, she's really she, the thing I appreciate that she is really we're getting to see a lot more of her in this than um yeah. than in any, any of the Avengers movies. Yeah, yeah, and the fact, the right? fact that they're so the fact that they're so game for it both um Elizabeth Olsen who by the way I'm now claiming as the most talented Olsen. And and Paul Bettany, they're just like, no, this is a sitcom. We're going to sitcom act. We're not going to like we're not going to transplant the Avengers movies into a sitcom world and play that contrast. They're just like, no, if the two of us were cast in a 60s sitcom, this is how we would. This is the style we would do. Yeah. And they're actually like I never seen like either of them in much. I saw Paul Bettany in like a beautiful mind for like 20 minutes. But they're both funny. They're both, they, like, they've got great comedic timing. They've got great chemistry. It's like, I'm actually kind of surprised how good they're both doing in the show because it is that, it's such a strange thing to play. It's like play these characters, but play them as if they would appear in a show from the 50s and the 60s, like an American sitcom. And it's like, they're, they're doing like an awesome job. I'm like totally blown away at how good the, the two of them were. Yeah, I, one of the things that really struck me was, um, the subtle shifts, Elliot, you were talking about the history of sitcoms and just the differences between the two episodes. It would have been so easy to go, okay, these are two old timey, um, early television episodes, but I was watching them again. The styles of just the first two episodes are so different was that the, the first one is completely set bound where you only see their house and one office. There are no black people in the first episode. Um, the characters come back in both of the episodes, but none of the black characters are in that first one. And it's very much like I Love Lucy uh, was hitting me as much as the Dick Van Dyke show. Uh, and then the subtle shift to the second one where all of a sudden uh, they're shooting outside and they don't do that in the first episode. And it, it kind of symbolizes the shift of 50s to 60s sitcoms when they move from New York-based sitcoms like The Honeymooners and... Um, Sergeant Bilko and things that were shot in old radio studios, which is now where Saturday Night Live is shot. And they move out to L.A. where they start to take advantage of the film crews and they start to use backlots and just little touches like that. I didn't realize it till the second time I watched it. I was like, yeah, they're using a very fake backlot that almost looks like Batman or Get Smart or Twilight Zone in that second episode. So they're 
they're getting all of the details just right. And I don't know why they're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a joy, man. It's a joy to unpack everything in this, you know, even like the idea of like the, they showed it in one of the trailers. I think it's like they're waving at their neighbors, like across the way and the backgrounds on both camera shots are they're painted backgrounds. You know what I mean? It's like, it's charming. <laughs> it's like, it's just, it's such a cool, fresh, like way to kind of, tackle a project like this and it's like i'm surprised that they are running with it and i'm hoping they they i mean take it to the end of the runway let's see what this does you know i mean they're doing it for this very reason so we'll talk about it i mean let's be honest right. you know people are going to be watching those episodes again and again and again you have people dissecting them already right. I, I saw one person on twitter that did a nice long thread basically breaking down how each episode and you know how it went, as you said john it went from the different types of sitcoms from single cam to multi-cam from sets to outdoors and so on <clears throat> and then of course these days you're going to have folks who are watching it they're going to be doing catch, uh, doing screen grabs um pausing to see things in the background as you said Stephen, noticing you know things are painted there's one scene where um you can um uh wanda sees on a picture of the place where Hydra kept her, you know, where they kept her um, captive, you know. From we, Age of Ultron, yeah. That, Age of Ultron. Yep. So, you know, they, all those little Easter eggs that they put in there, why? Because they know you're going to be watching it and you're going to be talking about it. And then they're going to, yeah. you're going to want, they, they want to give you the, the, uh, the, the incentive to go back and watch it again. Oh, did you see that? Oh, no, I got to go back and watch it again. Yeah. yeah and that a replay value, you know. Well, and the second time I watched it, that's exactly what I did. And that's why, had we been able to binge it, Elliot, as much as I'd want to, we'd be up, we'd be finished by now, honestly. Definitely. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, I was watching a lot of Star Trek Discovery again and the, the expanded Hateful Eight this weekend. I would have been watching nothing but WandaVision had they given us more. But then we would have been like, oh, you know, in episode one, they teased episode six. And right now it's the mystery of it. And that's what this is really based on. I, I think it's more of a it's more of a mystery. Um, I think it's going to owe as much to classic sitcoms as it owes to shows like Lost right now. I mean, like the very end of the second episode with the beekeeper coming out who looks like an aim soldier, but also like it, that, sword that sword. Yeah, like that's a kind that's the kind of thing that Lost kept us enthralled until it ended and then no one ever wanted to see it ever again yeah, it's like these breadcrumbs of like you know it's like they're only these like little hints of what's going on because even like except for her like neighbor agnes every other character in the show is just as confused as they are right it's like everyone has these weird moments where they're kind of like on a loop or they're not sure what's going on or they're kind of breaking character so it's like who the fuck has any idea what's happening here you know Speaking of, oh my God, Emma Caulfield. I haven't seen yes. her forever. I was like, holy shit, it's Anya. Oh, I, I had the same the same reaction, but it also made me feel old because she played like the the dowdy middle-aged mean woman. And I'm like, but that's Anya. It's Anya. Anya is the Buffy character I had the biggest crush on. Well, she still looks good. She yeah. still looked great. Um, yeah, I hadn't seen her and she was fantastic in this. You know, she like she totally went for what it was supposed to go for. And honestly, I was cemented uh, in the tone of the show just knowing Catherine Hahn was on it. Yeah, because you can trust Catherine Hahn in basically any scenario. You know, I, uh, I first fell in love with Catherine Hahn on Parks and Rec, which she did. A, she did a string of episodes on that. And she's one of those like MVP comedy hitters. Like you put her in anything and she's going to nail. It. And of course, she's like, for Total, as you said, Agnes is the only one who's not breaking. And I, I thought, well, that's Catherine Hahn. She's total commitment. Yeah, she's all in. Yeah, she's like, the, she's like the Wayne Knight. Of, yes. Of, you, know, you, you call Wayne Knight in, he can do anything. Mm -hmm. He can be in any scene. He is the most convincing guy in, in, in the first Space Jam movie. I mean, that, that's how good Wayne Knight is. And that's, a, that's a tough movie to make. You know, that's yeah. early computer nonsense. Uh. Yeah. 
There is a great Stephen. I sent it to you. I think several times because you have defended Space Jam, and it's it's anathema to me. You to do so. There is a great episode of How Did This Get Made, all about Space Jam, where they just go deeply into yeah. People say Michael Jordan. It, Michael Jordan is a bad actor, but you have to realize he was just standing on green screens for three months. Right, that would drive anyone insane. Screaming at tennis balls. He has no <laughs> acting experience, and they're like, Michael, get mad at that tennis ball. Right. We're like waving a tennis ball on like a stick, you know, They're like this is Danny DeVito. Right. <laughs> Pretend you, you you just dropped the grand on the eighth hole. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm oh, so speaking of how they're yes. filming stuff. Did you guys hear that the all this stuff with the like sitcom set stuff they filmed in front of a live audience? No, I didn't hear that. Yeah, so, I, right? The first one they did. Yeah. The first one is, okay. Yeah, I thought that was really cool because you, you know, you think like, oh, they put a laugh track in here to make it seem like it, but it's like, no, they, they fucking went, they went all out for this. It's pretty cool. And they're they're clearly playing to the audience in that one. That's what, that one felt more stage. But I yeah. noticed, I noticed that their, their whole performance, they're louder, they're facing the camera more and they're getting that energy from the, what the fuck did the audience think was happening? <laughs> right? I don't even know how much they probably like told the audience, you know, it's like- But then Scarlet Witch and Vision come out. Right. <laughs> like Envision is in his full makeup. The, the funny thing, this, this is so hard to define that I watched it with Ben and Sebastian. And after about five minutes, uh, Sebastian went, that guy looks like his head is made out of metal. And we went, yeah, that's the vision. Remember from Avengers? And he went, oh. <laughs> like, that's exactly what my like mom would say watching this. But like you he's know? seven and his head didn't go to Avengers. Yeah, that's wild. He's so, just like, we're just watching this show, right? And that guy looks kind of like a robot. Yeah. So have you guys seen anyone like how it's being received online in terms of like, are people liking it? Do they hate it? Split? People just confused as we are? Two things. One, uh, for the most part, everyone that I've seen, most folks that, you know, in my circle on social media, a lot most of them are saying, oh, this is great. It's a great show. And I'll agree. It's, it's pretty good. And then there's a small splinter of folks that go, I hate it. I don't get it. I, I don't understand what's going on, which I would understand if you weren't such like a, a, a sitcom nerd. Like everyone right. said, oh, well, didn't you watch these on Nickelodeon? I'm like, <coughs> I, I watch them like on Fox, okay? Right. You know, in syndication. Well, I don't have Nickelodeon, but be, be fair, you're not that old. You didn't watch them on NBC. No, I didn't watch them when they originally aired. But no, yeah. but I was thinking that that like for at least for you and I and Stephen, uh, you can you can disagree being a millennial born after cable. I was thinking that it felt like being homesick from school. Like, like it was like this fever dream of being a kid and being in bed with stacks of Marvel comics and a portable TV showing old reruns of like Bewitched and Get Smart, like in the middle of the day when you you weren't usually able to see them and you would just leave like uh, for me it was like Channel 11 and uh, five before it was Fox. You'd leave them on all day and it, it would be like falling asleep and just like mashing the two together. So yeah, I was. I will say this. Um, you know what? Hey, uh, we have uh, uh, WandaVision has proved that you can have a show that everyone likes and watches and not be dicks and spoil everything on social media because I didn't see a ton of spoilers out there. You know, people would say, hey, it's great, but I don't want to spoil it. I'll wait. Yeah. Till you, you know, unlike Mandalorian, where people couldn't keep their traps shut. You know? yeah, but that's that what, be the difference between maybe Marvel and Star Wars fans. But I feel like we probably got spoilers from like Infinity War and stuff, you know, but like, what would they spoil in this? It's like the first two episodes are all a sitcom. Like, I'm so confused as to what this show is supposed to be. I just can't imagine like there are there are like three shots in the two episodes where something goes on too long. That's about as much of a spoiler as possible. Mm -hmm. Like when uh, Fred, Ma uh, Fred Malamed, who's a great character actor who plays the boss, but he's one of those guys you've seen in a million things. Yeah. When he starts choking, it just goes on way too long. Yeah. Like, and it just, it just slightly unnerves you and gives you the creep, creeps and then they just resolve it. But they never push farther than that. And then it just goes right back on track. Yeah. You know, the or, commercial with the, with the toaster. Yeah. 
Mm, it starts yeah. the blinking red light. You start yeah. the blinking red light, and then it gets like, then it gets creepy at that yeah. point. Yeah, right. Because it gets it, really like there's that intense, uh, you know, ramping up. Well, it's just it. too long, and then they cut back to the woman just staring. And I'm like, I, I I kept looking. I'm like, is the toaster supposed to be the vision? Because it's because it looks like a face and it's blinking where the, the infinity stone would be. Hmm. Um, but again, I don't have anything like yeah. watching it twice. I don't walk away going, well, you know what that means. And even even the three of us having decades and decades of Marvel Comics experience, no help at all. Yeah, well, I'm thing- thinking I'm thinking of two things. I mean, first. Of course, that that vision um, series that Tom King did um, just recently, which eh, there are little touches there, very little touches from that, but it's brilliant. I remember reading that thinking, wow, Tom King is an incredible writer with the vision. Uh, but more so, the um, the West Coast Avengers run that John Byrne did when Wanda kind of like flipped, yeah. and it was the whole thing about, especially okay. Now there's a spoiler for anyone who hasn't watched it yet. Stop now because there is a significant spoiler at the end of the second episode that I'm going to mention. So I'm going to say it. If you haven't seen it, stop now. Don't listen. Okay. So she comes out. Suddenly she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. And that made me think of the West Coast Avengers. Bit yeah. where, remember when John Byrne had a, pro- had, had a problem with the idea of Wanda and Vision being romantically involved? She said it was like she's in love with a toaster. I don't get it. How could how could they have kids together? You know, could the vision actually, you know, uh, reproduce? And then he did the thing where, you know, he introduced the idea that Wanda mystically induced her own um, her own pregnancy. Yeah. And then she had her mental breakdown that, you know, because they just disappeared. Yeah, he broke her concentration and they just disappeared. He did that Master Pandemonium story where his hands were her babies. Yeah, Master Pandemonium was like he was this guy. They were they he was the fetch of Avengers villains. They were just trying to make him happen. And he had like he had like demons for hands and feet, and then he had a star hole in his belly where more demons could come out. Yeah, he sucks. That's the only time I read Avengers was those early West Coast Avengers. Because I love this Silver Centurion Iron Man so much that I was like, oh, he's in both books. And that guy, I was like, what the fuck is this guy? And they kept bringing him back. Yeah, he's like him a couple times. Uh, so yeah. that's what I went to. I was like, oh, wait, I'm thinking Wanda's having like a mental breakdown right now. And yeah. She, this is the way she is kind of like keeping herself together because, you know, Vision's gone at the end of Infinity War. I mean, and, and at the end of Endgame, we don't see him come back. So, I mean, it's possible that he's, you know, when um when uh, Tony did the snap, he brought Vision back. And we just didn't see it. No, he didn't because um at Tony's funeral, uh, Vision is not there. And there's a scene with Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch where he says about Black Widow, he goes, I think she knows that, you know, that we won. And, and, and Scarlet Witch says they both know. So Vision okay. is gone. But my question about Vision is usually – from um, a story structure, Elliot, is that if the entire world is happening in someone's head, you don't see the perspectives of other characters. And there are lots of scenes that a vision without Wanda. Right. So it's like they go out of their way to show vision as a fully realized character on his own, disconnected to her. There's like scenes in the office and the scene with the, um, it's like the neighborhood committee. Yeah. That, Again, though, it could be she's dreaming and that's the way she's dreaming the vision being, you know, I mean, it's it, it's it's a whole like if if we're, you know, if, um, if the world is a dream, we're in God's dream. You know what happens when God wakes up? You know, that's Wanda is her dream is the reality that populates everything. They're all aspects of her in their one way or another. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have the same sort of. um. I have the same sort of narrative issues with um, usual suspects, you know, with, with, where uh, where in the beginning uh, they, you see the whole thing with um, Kaiser Sose and uh, the Gabriel Byrne character. And um, if you would know that Gabriel Byrne's not Kaiser Sose, if that's the way the story ends. And yet they tried pushing that at, you know, at the very end that Gabriel Byrne was Kaiser Sose. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we know that's not him. 
and then we, you know, later on discover other because that yeah, that's, that's narrative. The yeah, that's, narrative. Yes, that's yeah, right, and that that is kind of there in Usual Suspects. And as much as I want to say fuck Brian Singer, that's uh, <laughs> still a movie we're talking <laughs> oh, about. And don't forget Kevin Spacey can go fuck himself too, John. Yeah, it has Kevin Spacey and Brian Singer, and it's like the two mm-hmm. most predatory homosexuals. You know what? I like I said, I'm watching Star Trek Discovery again because season three was pretty good. So I want to give season one a rewatch. And every time I see Anthony Rapp, who plays Stamets, uh, who's one of the guys that came out against Kevin Spacey, I can't even watch Star Trek Discovery without going, you know what? Fuck Kevin Spacey. Yeah. <laughs> Just every time I see this guy that I know was fucking preyed on. But usual suspects, you you follow that line of thinking that Gabriel Byrne has got. So say knowing that branch is going to collapse. Right. So do they put the weight on it knowing it can't sustain the weight with this? I don't I don't know, because Wanda is clearly the, a character in the sitcom. She's not watching the sitcom. She's not outside of it. But then there were scenes that take place without her character that she's not involved with. So it's possible the vision is back in some way. And the last time I watched Infinity War, there is a discussion. Um, uh, uh, I know. uh Bruce Banner says it of like, there's so much division. It's possible that removing the infinity stone will still have the best parts of him. Yeah. So it's possible he exists in some way from the clips we've seen uh, upcoming. It looks like there's a complex that she's in and they're running from helicopters. It's like, maybe, maybe he's a program that is running inside this thing that she's trapped in. But I don't know. You're in check. Yeah, maybe it is. I mean, maybe maybe there's some kind of event that happens between Endgame and WandaVision, kind of like Logan, kind of like Professor X losing control in Logan, that they've had to shut her down. But the whole sword aim thing is blurry. Also, when I was listening to uh, the second episode, when that voice comes out of nowhere and says, Wanda, who is doing this to you? Jimmy Woo. Yeah, it's yeah. Randall Park's character, who's in Ant-Man and the Wasp. And isn't he S.H.I.E.L.D.? Or is he FBI? He was an FBI agent in Ant-Man and the Wasp, but he's supposed to be now, I guess, an agent of S.W.O.R.D. So either he transferred or got recruited or something, but it's like S.W.O.R.D.'s supposed to be like a space organization. So they're just doing it as like a stand-in for S.H.I.E.L.D. since we don't have S.H.I.E.L.D. anymore. They changed it. If you go to the Marvel uh, Collector Tops app on on on, on your mobile phone, they just released a a, a um, WandaVision trading trading card set, and one of them was of a one of the cards is of a sword agent, and it has a whole new acronym. It has it's not about space; it's about uh, something weaponized, organized. Something it, like it has to do more with um, um, mystical, I believe. Or mystical. Hmm. Well, they yeah. changed they changed what Shield stood for about four times. Right, and that's I'm going to find this. Hold on, guys, keep talking. Sure. The last I remember was like Strategic Homeland Initiative. Yeah, but it's like they changed it in the comics. They changed it in a lot of the cartoons, and then they changed Mm -hmm. it in the MCU. So I don't think whatever S.W.O.R.D. stood for in the comics, I don't even remember, like Sentient World Observation Response Logistics Division or something like this. I don't know. But it's like, it's different. And I think that's fine. You know, I don't mind them changing stuff like that to kind of service the story. But no, it, sort, we're sort of Joss Whedon thing because Astonishing X-Men is the first yeah. time I remember it. So in Sword and Shield. Get it? Credits, um, they've, and they've done this since Iron Man. In the credits, they always list like comic book creators that they pulled material from. So I looked for it in the WandaVision episode and they have a list and they list all these different people. Um, Tom King gets thanked, Brian Michael Bendis, David Finch, Oliver Kopiel. Um, They thank Joss Whedon, which made sense because he directed the first two Avengers and the first two movies with Scarlet Witch and Vision. But they also thanked John Cassidy. And I'm like, well, he didn't work on any Vision or Scarlet Witch book of any significance, but he did co-create Sword in Astonishing X-Men. So... uh, you know, they, they always credit people when they're right they're in the materials. So, um, you know, it's cool stuff to see. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if sword is standing in for shield or I, I, I don't know the shield is completely gone. Like, because I mean, shield was destroyed in, um, winter soldier, winter soldier but the show just ended. I mean, the show ran for another four or five I, I years. Think they're- burying that show i think that show and those netflix shows are gone i i understand there's a lot of rumors that the guy that played daredevil is gonna be in spider-man but 
I don't know. I, I think that ABC show and all that stuff, it's like they just closed the book on that and it's out of here because it was the one way street. You know, the, the show never impacted anything that happened in the MCU, but the MCU characters showed up on the show. So they could just clean cut it and drop it um, because there's there was no there was no backwash from the shows into the into the movies. But right. The movie but I- now the Disney Plus, these are all in continuity now. Yeah, well, and that's the odd thing is that is Marvel went out of their way to say everything is in continuity, unlike DC, which, you know, DC is still coming out and saying nothing's in continuity and we're going to have as many fucking Batmans as we want to have. And I'm like, how is that different than it's ever been? Right. This <laughs> is like you like, guys always do this. Once Val Kilmer was Batman, I gave up on any kind of continuity. Right. But they've always said, oh, everything counts. Everything counts. You're right. There, there's rumors that Charlie Cox is in. Um, Spider-Man 3 and he played Daredevil on Netflix but one site reported it and I haven't seen yeah. it picked up I, the it, rumors for Spider-Man 3 sound so insane it's hard yeah, to believe yeah they say Tobey Maguire is in it and Andrew Garfield's in it um, but we know Alfred Molina and Jamie Foxx are definitely in it what I'm doing with Spider-Man 3 is I'm just going to IMDb and I'm like yeah, alright who's listed as working on this film official characters and it says untitled Spider-Man 3 2022 yeah. and I'm like alright these guys have been paid by somebody right somebody filled about proper information here yeah Elliot sentient weapon observation and response division mm. so sentient weapon sentient weapon observation division. response division yeah. I think it used to be sentient world it used to be, hold on, it used to be, yes, yeah, sentient world observation and response department. Mm. Yeah. So we saw Sword at the end of like the Spider Man movie, right? That's like the ship Nick Fury was on at the end, the teaser. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So populated by Skrulls. So then there's a secret invasion show coming out. Do you think they're going to put Abigail Brand in this? I'd say it's like I'd say it's likely that Abigail Brand shows up for a Secret Invasion, but not I mean, they, WandaVision. No, I don't know. I think because we know Jimmy Woo's in it, that might be all we really Peter need. Sandin. Oh, and you know who else is in this movie or this show is the uh, the sidekick from Thor, the girl, uh, Darcy. Oh, Kat Dennings. Yeah, she's in this too, and so's Photon. Well, Photon, we've already seen Photon. Um, well, first of all, Kat Dennings was on Two Broke Girls, so there's somebody in the MCU with a lot of sitcom experience. Right. So they could bring her on when we get later in the genre. But um, Geraldine is Monica Rambeau. And yeah. I know, noticed, and she's only in the second one, because as we said, no African-Americans in the first one. Um, but when she said, I'm Wanda, what's your name? She goes, oh, uh, um, um, Geraldine. And she looked like... She looked like she was searching for something. And then this time I was like, oh, Geraldine, like Flip Wilson's character, who is the only African-American to have a show on, to host a show in the 60s. Mm. And I think that might have been a hint to it's like, oh, I'm in this milieu. What's a name I can pull out? And that's when when that happened. I went, oh, my God, they're Truman showing her. You know, mm-hmm. they're just it's like they're like they've, they've got her in a bubble. And yeah. they're they're folks interacting with her to just keep an eye on her. Because remember, she finds that um, little the toy helicopter, which has the sword symbol yes. on it, and it's red. So, you, you know, whenever you it's see the first thing we red, see in color. Yeah. 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 You know, that's something breaking through. It's like something yeah. breaking through the reality bubble that she's in. Because then we also see Dottie's hand gets cut and the blood is red. Yep. Yeah. And then the first when she turns everything to color, which she does by denying that she sees a, a guy in a beekeeper outfit. She says no, and it rewinds. And instead of that happening, she's still pregnant. But instead of that happening, she turns everything color. And the first thing that turns color is Division's face, which is red. Yeah. So there's definitely like um, the red is breaking through. Although now, I mean, this next episode, we're going to be, I think we're going to be well into the 70s. I mean, We've seen clips of like big afros and, you know, we're, I think the Brady Bunch is the next yeah. motif that's going to happen. This- the house changes and it looks just like, you know, the Brady Bunch set. It's, it's like, yeah. it's like, I'm just, I'm like all along for this journey they're taking. <laughs> yeah. Well, the first, the first one was uh, the first one. When I saw the kitchen, I'm like, that's definitely the Dick Van Dyke show. When I noticed uh, this time I was watching it, they had the same fireplace, that cast iron fireplace, but it's on the opposite wall. 
Yeah, and, it's almost like they just flipped everything. So yeah, it like and, it, but not exact. And then when it switches to the Bewitched House, it kind of looks the same, except it has the freestanding staircase coming down, which mm-hmm. Bewitched had with the banisters on both sides. So, we, so it is that dreamscape where it's pulling elements and just kind of sticking them together. I even like their little animated intro, like the Bewitched intro. Yeah. That was so charming. It's like, I'm really digging all this stuff. And that, and that hammered at home, too, is that the people... I think the I think the other people in the town are all agents of sword um, because they're all animated before we see them because right. they're like oh there's a Catherine Hahn drawing and there's the David Schwimmer with the man. mustache and by the way I read an article with that guy the guy looks like David Schwimmer with a big mustache he's like an actor who he said I grew this mustache for a part and I always get work because of my mustache so he's just a guy without mustache that's all he is <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like all of those people are in the animated opening before the show starts. And it's like, well, we've seen most of these from the first episode. So there's an established cast that's around them. And even though the house changes. Yeah. It's the same people. And both episodes, the plot of both episodes, they were very, they were very much um, typical wrote sitcom plots, but they were both about fitting in. Like the the mission that they want to accomplish in both episodes was to fit in. And I think there's this, I don't know. Everyone in the town is obsessed with children because they kept repeating that line at the magic show. Before the children, yeah. You don't see a single child in the show. There's no kids in town. None of the neighbors have kids. They, every character asks them, when are you going to have kids? It's like this push for them to have children. And that Um, might change with the third episode. She might, she might not be pregnant they might have the kids. They might have the two twins. Yeah, that's and great. There might be kids everywhere by that next episode because now that now it's because become she does. Yeah, now it's become the family show with kids. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. Yeah, it's and and honestly, when I think about it, the Brady Bunch is really that seminal show where it was a family show where the kids were the most important characters. Because right. you go back before that. Dick Van Dyke show, you know, they had Richie and um, they had little Desi on the Isle of Lucy. Um, Honeymooners never had kids, but the kids were not that important. It was like they had like a pregnancy plot. Um, Tabitha was like by the time they had Tabitha was the late 60s. There, It's not to the Brady Bunch where family shows become kid shows and that that eventually becomes full house and family matters. Right. And, you know, the parents start taking more and more of a, of a backseat role. So I think that's where we're going, but yeah, it seems like it. I, I think it's going to be one of these shows where it's kind of like the further we get into it and the more you rewatch it, the more you'll be able to pick out of like, Oh, this is where they were leading. And Oh, this is what they were saying. It's like, it's just a slow burn, you know, but I agree. I think it's nice that we don't, we weren't able to binge this. It's nice to be able to like the Mandalorian before this is just kind of sit with the episode and be like, Oh yeah, what the fuck was this? And what was this? And what was this? No, you're wrong. I wanted it all. (laughs) (laughs) But I like, I like wanting it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 like I said, I just love that. I have no idea what's happening. And, uh, as I was saying at, at the beginning, I love that they're taking such a big swing and we weren't supposed to get this first. Right. We it were was supposed Falcon to get a soldier, right? We we're supposed to get Falcon and Winter Soldier, which from that trailer looked like it was a lot of outdoor shoots, which were hard to control for COVID. Yeah. Whereas this was, it's all set bound or back lot. I think it was easier to contain. So I think it got further along. I think Falcon and Winter Soldier had a lot of delays. Which I think also that- probably means that there's not, probably a lot of overlap between the two shows right because there can't be anything in wandavision that spoils anything in falcon winter soldier it's like they're probably pretty far removed i'd guess yeah i think the shows are going to be able to just swap them out of the order yes i think the shows themselves are going to be far enough apart from each other but then they have their but then they're going to line up because we know that coming out of this scarlet witch is going to show up in dr strange and then what happens in dr strange is going to affect spider-man 3 Right. So we but have we might, to ha- we might have see this first. Doctor Strange in WandaVision. He we might could. Who knows? Or might be a significant part of this. If she's going to go right from this to that sh- to that movie. And that's the other thing is they this will be the first time that people have to watch the show to get a movie. 
So I'm kind of wondering how they're going to pull this off. If they do her and Dr. Strange, do they do a recap at the beginning for everyone who didn't watch WandaVision? Or are they that confident that everyone that's going to go see a major blockbuster movie has the Disney Plus app and watch this kooky little show of theirs? I, I think they're good at setting these things up. I think when... Like you look at Thor Ragnarok, there's a whole scene with Doctor Strange in it. You didn't have to see Doctor Strange. Right. I, th- I think within a minute you could probably figure out. But what that tells me is that with uh, Scarlet Witch appearing in Doctor Strange is that first of all, I don't think we're going to get a resolution at the end of the season. I think we might we might find out just how fucked up Wanda is, and she'll be at a place where she needs help. Uh, that'll happen in Doctor Strange. It won't happen in this in this. Uh, in this show. And I also don't know that we'll ever get a season two of this. You know, I, yeah. I mean, I Mandalorian's given us anything until it ends, you know, cause it's like, if they give a season two, it's kind of like, Oh, well, both these characters are going to be fine post whatever happens at the end of this season. If they don't announce anything, but then they didn't announce that Boba Fett show at the end of Mandalorian. So it's like, right. maybe that's why they're not, you know, they don't want to spoil anything. And we're getting a third season of Mandalorian. So initially when they announced all these shows, they all sounded like they were limited series. But now who knows? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> maybe even a, a lot of it might just be, is, does it, is it doing well? You know, if it doesn't do too well, if it doesn't hit Mandalorian numbers, maybe we don't get a second season. But if it does really well, all right, then maybe they got to go back to the drawing board and figure out how do they continue this season based on, you know, what's coming up in Doctor Strange and in Spider-Man. Didn't they say they were pushing Black Widow back to 2022? Oh, wow. uh, really? Yeah, the last I heard it was tw- they pushed it to 2021. They seem not willing to go Wonder Woman 84 with it. It right. seems like they will just sit on it until theaters are back and they will, will just wait and wait and wow. wait. So They're- it means it's not that it's not that vital that it be out now. I mean, it's well, like one of those. You know, yeah, I mean, I doubt it because Black Widow's dead. (laughs) I mean, it's already a prequel. So like what could happen in it? Nothing that's going to happen. It technically matters for what's coming down the pipe. Right. Black Widow's not going to spoil the Eternals. You know, you you never know, though. They might have been planning to do like plant certain seeds in there or a secondary character. It's like it's like putting Martin Freeman in Civil War. Right. Not a big role. But then that pays off in Black Panther. I don't know if this is up to date, but the last I saw was Black Widow is scheduled for May 7th, 2021. Still this year. By Shang-Chi in uh, May, July. And then uh, also Eternals and Spider-Man, whatever the third Spider-Man is, at the end of this year. Eternals is scheduled for November. Spider-Man is scheduled for December with Doctor Strange coming out in 2022. So Wanda is going to leapfrog Spider-Man, go to Doctor Strange. Maybe she causes whatever's going on in Doctor Sh- or Spider-Man with like these reality breakdown of <laughs> multiple Spider-Mans or whatever. Who knows? I mean, remember Who Spider-Man knows? is also Spider-Man is also Sony, so it's always kind of at arm's length. So right. I wouldn't expect it to be a direct sequel to Doctor Strange. Um, although with Sam Raimi doing Doctor Strange and both of them being Ditko characters, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if Tom Holland pops up. It'd be nice. But who knows? I mean, the world shut down, so it's very right. hard to know what the assembly line is now. Yeah, and based on the last like news I watched on the pandemic, not on you know the other thousand problems going on in the world, is that like we're in for a rough fucking ride this spring. I don't think any movies are going to be back anytime soon. No. Well, uh, all I know is I'm happy. I'm getting Kong versus Godzilla in March, <laughs> so I'm all over God. that. Yeah. Is that going straight to streaming now? Yeah, the, it's going to be on HBO Max. Yep. Yeah. Uh, oh, because it's Warner Brothers. Mm. Warner Brothers. So I'm just, just like the Matrix 4. Or, and uh, James Gunn's Suicide Squad. Yeah, Suicide Squad. Um, yeah. Don't forget but, uh, Justice League. Uh, oh, you posted this today. They were like, oh, now it's not a series. Now it's a four-hour movie. And I'm like, dude, how can it be the director's vision if he keeps fucking changing the format of it? Because he's a fuck. And they have to spend another $70 million to do to do this like fucking Star Trek one director's cut. He just he just basically made a new movie. Yeah, yeah. But that that like a vocal minority wants. Yeah. Because because apparently they hate Avengers, so they wanted this movie to be less like Avengers. If they hated Avengers so much, they shouldn't have gone to see it. They said ben, like, ben Affleck suited up again for the fucking reshoots of this movie. That's wild. 
I hope they at least have better CGI in this one because all I know is after I saw the CGI at the end of Wonder Woman 84, I am not confident in Warner Brothers' ability to pull off uh, a, uh, a realistic CGI villains. No, you mean, che- you mean Cheetah at the end? Yeah. Cheetah, and of course, oh, Ares at the end of the first Wonder Woman. Yeah. Doomsday well, uh, at the end of uh, Batman versus. Oh, God, Superman, Doomsday. You know, who looked like yeah, a Steppenwolf. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. All those things. Yeah, they all looked terrible. Yeah, they look like video game characters. They're fighting a yes. video game character. Yeah. At the end. Yes. Yeah. yeah which he... For video games is fine, but not for blockbuster movies. Right. And you know, you keep like I, I've been saying for the last year. I was like, I think they're out of the woods. Shazam was great. Birds of Prey was really good. Joker. Yeah, people love Joker. And then Wonder Woman eighty four is like, now we're right back in. Even with the same director of Wonder Woman, we're right back in. It's just like, I, ah, you know, you're throwing up shit at the wall. It doesn't all hit the window. So, John, after our uh, last podcast you and me did it two weeks ago, I rewatched Suicide Squad, but I yeah. watched the extended cut of Suicide Squad. And? And there are, there's way more scenes than there should be of a group of people walking down the street <laughs> screaming exposition at each other. <laughs> it happens like... A dozen times. It's like Harley Quinn talks to Deadshot, then Deadshot talks to this guy, then this guy talks to this guy. And it's like, I, I, maybe that wasn't the, what was in the uh, theatrical release, but I, I watched the extended edition. And it's like, I couldn't believe it that they kept doing it. It was ridiculous. I mean, the theatrical cut, the movie starts four times. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's like yeah. it introduces all the characters, then it introduces them again, then it introduces them. <laughs> <laughs> the only one that they introduce once is the Slipknot or new. And they kill him off. Was, and they just shoot him like right away. He's in that movie for five minutes. I do wish the one thing I wish with the James Gunn Suicide Squad. First of all, I think it's going to be entertaining as all shit. Yeah. Um, I wish Will Smith was in it just a little bit because I feel yeah, like I feel like James Gunn would have given him something to do. And Will Smith is smart enough and funny enough to know the spirit it, it would be in. Yeah. I mean, like. I don't think he needs to be erased. I mean, he was not playing a character. He was playing Will Smith. He was playing, yeah, well, let's be Will clear. S- he always plays Will Smith. Okay. Yeah, but he he's like not have a range, you know. No, uh, yeah. Sometimes it's a drama and sometimes it's a comedy. That's right. Sometimes Will Smith is sad and sometimes Will Smith is quirky. Right, but he's always Will Smith. It's kind of like uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, so we're all happy with where WandaVision's going. I'm happy. I mean, so far, yeah. so good. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I like that it's, you know, good chunks. Again, half hour. You can sit down. Yeah, much shorter it. than I thought. I, I think it's adhering to the sitcom length, but it's shorter than Mandalorian even. And yeah. Mandalorian's well, not that long. The first couple, like, sitcom-y type episodes will be this length, and we'll get, you know, 40, 50-minute episodes. I don't know. They could all be Why 30. Why do you think they gave us two? Do you think they gave us two because it's so in this little box still because they could have just released one episode. What's the, what's the logic there? I think, I think that, you, yeah, you needed the two to really get a good sense of it. Just I, the, I think that first episode gave us no clue of where it was going. The second one had like a little yeah. more, I, I think mm-hmm. it, it just gave us a little more track and they are short. So it's like yeah. watching both of them back to back was kind of like watching Mandalorian. Um, some episodes, I mean, Mandalorian is usually about 40 minutes. But I think if you I think people would have been angry at that just that first episode because they're like, wait, what the what is this? Because there's like at least the second one ends with like an aim guy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) The first first one ends with them like kissing and saying goodnight. (laughs) I'm surprised they didn't come out with bathrobes like Jackie Gleason at the end. (laughs) Miami audiences are the greatest audience in the world. (laughs) You know, they Man, I bet they're kicking themselves for not doing that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They might have uh, that knee come out, you know. They might have done it and cut it. <laughs> Jimmy would have been, what? Yeah. Even even Keenan and Kel did that. <laughs> I would say a lot of folks just aren't getting the references, though. There are a lot of folks who aren't getting the references. Well, I could see people being angry of, like, of expecting this to be the next Marvel movie on TV, which the Mandalorian is. Uh, and I, I think people would be like, wait, what, what, what? <laughs> Cause you know, as much as P- 
people like us talk about this for seven, eight months of like, hey, it's going to be a sitcom. It's going to be black and white. It's going to be crazy. There's a lot of people that just go Marvel shows on and press play. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we all follow this stuff pretty religiously. Right. So we're kind of all aware of every development along the way. Um, but it's like, yeah, this doesn't feel or look like anything else Marvel's done, which is refreshing. I think I think part of the problem Marvel has is they're they're too formulaic. And, they're, you know, this is them kind of breaking their own mold, which is nice. I'm curious to see if they maintain it or if we do kind of move quickly back into, you know, familiar territory. Well, they've always been willing to kick the tires. I mean, there's definitely a Marvel style. There's yeah. a TV style, but like the fact that they take big swings like Guardians of the Galaxy or Ant-Man, it's like they're, they could they could be Star Wars. They could very easily make the same kind of movie over right. and over and over and over again. Like we'd never seen a Star Wars movie that goes as far out as Thor Ragnarok. Right. I think we might've gotten that with Solo, but they cut the Lego guys loose and had Ron Howard finish it. Yeah. You still want to see that movie. I do. <laughs> Not enough of it was shot, but every time people say release the Snyder cut, I say release the Lord and Miller solo cut. Because I bet it was funny. I bet it was like Lego Batman and Star Wars with live people. They, they should just get them to come back and do, a, do the solo movie as a Lego movie. Yeah, like, you wouldn't even need the cast again. Right. Yeah, well, they, they, can do, they can do voices. But I mean, yeah, because they did the, uh, the Lego Star Wars holiday special. That was fun. It's it kind of fun. Uh, you know? it was, it was, that was really fun. That was like, that was the first time I, I thought that Star Wars had a reverence and a playfulness to the entire timeline of like, oh yeah, we can make prequel jokes and original trilogy jokes and Mandalorian jokes. Um, well, we know we're, we are getting a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Because of that, right? It's like James Gunn said he was like, he was actually a non-ironic fan of the original. Of the original Star Wars, Star Wars holiday Yeah, special. not the Lego one, yeah. Yeah. And I but, think it's it's like the perfect property for it too. It's in space. It's a bunch of goofy characters. It's like James Gunn's delightful. So it's, it's he's gonna cool. shoot it while they shoot Guardians three. So I don't know if it's an extra long schedule or if he's gonna shoot it really fucking fast. Right. <laughs> he's gonna take out two video cameras and be like, they're, now they're run around. There, they'll be at the the donut table, scarfing down donuts. He's like, quick, quick, we've got 10 minutes. <laughs> Drax has like smeared green makeup. Right, yeah. That's great. <laughs> Art Carney's in it. <laughs> uh, we, we lost B. Arthur, didn't we? We lost Art Carney and we lost everyone that's in the holiday special. Harvey Corman, B. Arthur, Art Carney. Oh, man. Well, did, I say, didn't the... Uh, Joss Whedon do that during Avengers. Um, he did Doctor Horrible, like no, he like did that. The, he like did on the weekends while he was doing Avengers. He was putting Doctor Horrible. Together. No, he actually did that during the writer strike. Between oh, so he right. did it yes. between yeah. he did it before Dollhouse. Right. So, but he, yeah, he was like, I think I'll write another musical. He, well, Joss Whedon's also the guy for the musical Buffy. He taught himself how to play and write music. Right. That's crazy. And well, yet that, and yet um, the guy who played Cyborg says he's a piece of shit, so we all decide he's a piece of shit. Yeah. What about that? He did that uh, Shakespeare thing at his house. Much, and yeah, much to do about, nothing. Do about nothing. He shot yeah. it at his house, and it was just like Nathan Fillion. And it was a bunch of guys from like Firefly and Angel just yeah. running around his house. That's crazy. Yeah. They did that like in a weekend. Yeah. 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 So you can see, you can see, I can see James Gunn doing that, you know. Yeah, hey, let's let's all get together for a weekend or whatever. Boom, boom, boom. And we'll do the ho- and we'll do the holiday special. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's written. So I mean, um, you know, Marvel's still taking chances. I think WandaVision's a really, really big chance. And so far it's paying off. They've certainly earned my trust. They have yet to put out, they have yet to fail. So take bigger and bigger swings. Yeah, agreed. You know, you want to you want to do welcome back, Cotter, for thirty minutes. Go ahead, <laughs> go for it. Yeah, I'm I'm willing to go down this journey with them. I want an episode of Wandavision where Vision plays both Gary Coleman and Todd Ames, <laughs> <laughs> and Wanda plays Mister Drummond, <laughs> and it's just Vision on his knees now. The world don't move. The reference to welcome back, Cotter, reminds me of that uh, that interview that Will Ferrell did, where it was like the I don't know if he did it on Conan or Jimmy or whatever, but uh, saying that the the joke that the the one the one joke that he did for SNL 
that he loved that no one got was if he's like working at some place and like he went to the bathroom and he comes back to find out that Gabe Kaplan was there and nobody told him. <laughs> The whole skit is him going on and on about Gabe Kaplan. How come you, how could you not have told me that Gabe Kaplan was here? And it goes on for like seven minutes and he goes, and nobody in the audience got it. That reminds me of uh, J.B. Smoove was, used to be a Saturday Night Live writer um, before he was on Curb. And actually Mike Drucker, uh, who's appeared on the show, he used to be an intern at SNL before he became a writer. And he said one day he was walking down the hall and J.B. Smoove just grabbed him from behind. He's like, that's not how you golf, baby. You got to do it like this. And he started like doing golf moves with him because the J.B. Smoove is just J.B. Smoove 24 hours a day. Yeah, yeah. And he's he another was, actor who just plays himself. Yes, and he was on, you know what? I was surprised he was so restrained and far from home. <laughs> Yeah, he probably probably the magic of editing. You know? Yeah, I think they had to calm him down. But he he was saying on Conan's podcast that the one sketch he always wanted to do on SNL was he wanted to play a guy that worked at Subway that used to work in a bank. And the problem is, whenever you would slice the meat, he would lick his finger. <laughs> <laughs> and even Conan's like, that's a lot of backstory. You gotta figure out. He's like, guy would just lick the meat and put it on a sandwich. People are like, I don't want that sandwich. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And can you make that work over like four minutes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can you get Will Forte to do that for four minutes? Right. <laughs> oh, so um, I think WandaVision's on everybody's greatest thing in the world this week, but you guys got something else? Mm. Oh, the West Wing is on um, on HBO Max. Is it safe for me to watch the West Wing? Because I've been wanting to watch it for four years. And with Trump in the White House, I was like, this is going to make me cry. Well, I mean, it's funny because there's one particular episode where it's, it's more like a documentary episode about the, the West Wing itself and how, how real life in the White House is. And they have actual people from the White House on talking about, you know, the, the dealing with the press corps, you know, uh, figuring out the, the, you know, giving the president his wake up call, all that stuff. And there's so many things in there when you compare it to the Trump White House and go, yep. They shit on that. They shit on that. They shit on that. They shit on that. And, you know, so, yeah, it depends on. I guess don't drink then. If you're be- I just got I got to wait for Biden to get in there and, and spend the half a million dollars to fumigate the place. <laughs> but but related to that, this just happened. I just discovered this last night that the entire West Wing show soundtrack. That um, the, the score for the television show, I found it on Amazon Music. And um, it's like uh, like two discs worth of music from like the, the from, I don't know how many seasons of the show. And I was like, oh, my God. So I've just been I've been deep diving West Wing. Again. So you bought them? Well, I have I have the Amazon music. Um, oh, the playlist. Mm-hmm. I found that was like I found um, the Batman, the animated series soundtracks. There were like four CDs. They're all on Spotify. If yep. you just want to hear like all the incidental music. Oh, it, that's cool. It really puts you in a good place mentally. Yeah. Steven? It's cozy. Uh, yeah. I, I know I'm giving the evil giant more money, but that's that. Was yeah. Cool. There's only four evil giants, so you have to pick your evil giant. <laughs> right, yeah. Pick your evil giant of choice. Like the startup's dream is to sell to an evil giant. Right. Uh, piggybacking off of what Elliot said later or earlier, if you haven't read the Tom King vision run, it's, I reread it recently and it's, uh, it's incredible. And any, any really character he worked on that are these kind of like lesser touched characters like vision or is Mr. Miracle. Uh, now he's on the Mr. Terrific and Adam strange book, uh, strange adventures. It's like, it's just awesome to see somebody come in with like some real love for like a underappreciated character and kind of, dust them off and send them on their new way. Um, and the, the vision miniseries he wrote, I reread it maybe, I don't know, two or three weeks ago. And it has the same like unsettling feeling the entire time you're reading it as I had watching this show is that you're like, Oh, this is a nice, charming little family in a charming little suburb. And you're just like, but something terrible is going on (laughs) and something terrible is going to happen to these poor people. Uh, so uh, the poor dog, (laughs) it's it's just like, uh, yeah. So it's not a direct allegory. I think it was just, you know, just that basic idea lifted and dropped into the show. But if you're digging the show and, you know, want to read some comics, I'd, I'd highly recommend it. 
Yeah, I need to read Tom King's Batman Catwoman. I've been missing his Batman run. And uh, I've been kind of waiting for a sale to get the first couple issues of that. But I do, I do love Tom King. I just started watching Pretend It's a City on Netflix. Uh, and uh, it is about Fran Lebowitz, who is like a New Yorker writer, but like very much like. Oh, yeah. The quintess- She's a political commentator. commentator. She's like yeah. a. She's like a writer and a New York curmudgeon. Uh, she just appeared in this documentary on Amazon Prime called The Booksellers, which is also a really good documentary about like secondhand book dealers. Uh, but she's real like urbane and witty and just and just hates that the city's not like it was in the 70s. Yes. <laughs> and it, uh, Martin Scorsese did it. And it's got like it's got interviews at like a 90 second Y of her talking to Martin Scorsese or Alec Baldwin, depending on the, the night. And that's her just walking around the city complaining. And it like, it makes me so goddamn homesick that I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, why did I, why did I move here? Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm like two episodes in and I cannot stop watching it. And she's like, and, she, and she's like, why did people move to New York? Because it's New York. And I'm like, that's right, Fran Lebowitz. <laughs> right. She sees you. She sees me. Yeah, th- there's a quote she has in the first in the first episode. She goes, uh, Martin Scorsese's like, it's getting very expensive to live in New York. And he's like, she's like, it's too expensive to live in New York. It's always been too expensive to live in New York. And eight million people do it. <laughs> oh, that's uh, I'm finding it very refreshing. I think I'm going to go to sleep with it. <laughs> just, like, just, just put it on and turn the lights out and curl up and just with New York hatred. Yeah, I'm trying to find it. My brother sent me an Annie, uh, a, a quote from her. And I, I wish I could find the tweet from it. He sent me, it was just like the funniest thing I've ever read, <laughs> but it's like, she's, I saw her on like, um, Bill, Bill Maher show or whatever. Mm-hmm. She's on a couple times. And that was the first time I'd ever seen her in something. And she's just, she's like the wittiest, tiniest little woman i've ever met it's she's like she's like if the new yorker was a person and that person was in poltergeist yes yes it's great uh but it's really enjoyable and um scorsese is a big part of it and scorsese knows how to make documentaries as well as narrative films so uh i'm enjoying it if you want to let us know where you think WandaVision's going? Are they going to stop doing sitcoms in one episode? Is it going to run to the end with little peaks? Um, let us know because we don't know. There are ways to get us get in touch with us. I'm at Not On My Book on Not Twitter and Instagram. That is the official Caffeinated Comics feed. Um, you can also go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Caffeinated Comics. Elliot, how do we find you? Uh, Instagram at Elliot Serrano. Same for Twitter. And you can find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash King of Geeks Chicago. And Stephen, you have new ways to get in touch with you. I do have new ways. You can find me on either Instagram or YouTube at the Brave Butter Pecan. Just started a YouTube channel. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> um, and you can find the show on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and Amazon Music. Yeah, the first uh, video of Stevens is up on YouTube now. We posted it on the Captain Comics Facebook page. So you can see it right there. It was produced by Motion Source, your company. So it's officially, yeah, it was, it was me and my boss in the studio hunkered down. <laughs> but there, but there is a studio with lights Yeah, <laughs> and your mics. It's not you in your room going, Hey guys, what's up? No, it's uh, I knew I wouldn't be able to control the content in terms of quality, but I could certainly make the show look good. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I've got a very talented friend helping me out with it. So it's uh, lighting sounds great. Um, I can't promise anything about the actual content. <laughs> That's good because I can control neither the sound quality nor the content on this show. Step up all around. Yeah, you see. But we will talk to you next week.